0: the Telegraph podcasts
1: hi there podcast fans I'm Tom Gibbs welcome to Telegraph Audio Football Club on the podcast today, Pep's free-scoring city destroy a Chelsea side who look a little bit lost under stubborn Sarri. We also dissect Cardiff's season so far to ask whether or not they can avoid the drop come May and whether Neil Warnock has won a place yet in the hearts of our panel. Elsewhere there's the weekly loving for the enduring competence of Tottenham Hotspur, some speculation about what next season could be like for Manchester United if Solskjaer stays, and excitement about the return of the Champions League. Plus, a song for Europe with Mina and JJ's dossier makes its long-awaited return brimming, as ever, with tactical insight. Let's take you now into the audio recording facility, where I'm joined by last week's, I can only describe it one way, unacceptably proficient host, Mina Rizuki. How are you, Mina?
0: Oh, thank you. I'm good, thanks, and you?
1: It was, I'm all right. I'm, I'm worried for my place after last week, to be honest. It was, it was a bit too Do good. Do you want
0: to be the pundit and I'll be the presenter? I, I
1: can't, you see. I don't have strong enough opinions. It's oh. so much harder being the pundit, I think, rather than just making all of the bonds mo behind <laughs> this microphone. Alongside Mina, it's the man with the tactical plan, JJ Bull. How are you? JJ?
2: I'm good Tom. Nice to be here. Yeah good. I'm in a good good moment. Oh really? Yes. How comes? I don't know I just wanted to say that. (laughs)
1: Marvellous. Completing our lineup today. Holding his place. It's the boy wonder. Sam Dean. What's happening Sam? Two weeks in a row. Yeah. Back. Yeah. Law out. Dean in. (laughs) My uh, my campaign continues. (laughs) Yeah Matt is definitely sweating on his place for next week but I've got a feeling he's going to reclaim it. Let's start in honour of Matt Law with Chelsea and their fairly astonishing 6-0 defeats to Manchester City pretty grim result for Chelsea but they they played into city's hands did they not JJ with how they set up for this game
2: it was um, i don't want to call it naive because there's no way that a, you know a manager like sarri could be naive but they went with exactly the same shape they always go as Higuain hey up front so they, when they beat City 2-0, they played um, a, a Hazard as a, as a false 9 in a, in a 3. They blocked all the passing channels and that was when they were at home and they uh, were narrowly defeated if you look at XG. So there wasn't, they didn't actually do very well, but they still won 2-0. Anyway, uh, here um, they started off absolutely charging forward, really going for it, trying to get in amongst them. And they did very well for about five minutes, <laughs> maybe five, seven minutes of running. And then they started realizing, oh, this is hard. <laughs> 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 and then, uh, I'm so, tired yeah. now. <laughs> City, you're really good. Oh no. <laughs> no, no. They were just uh, they were getting past the press so easily, City, because they're so good at it. But um, it was almost like City really wanted to be challenged, so they could step it up. Sort of like when you play, if you're playing, if you're playing video games online or something, you just you always assume it's a twelve year old at the end of this of the of the internet on you so you don't really try that hard but when you're playing next to one of your pals and you definitely can't lose and you step it up and suddenly you're much better at the game and it just seemed like that they got their cage rattled a bit into it the press was him um, Chelsea were doing was Higuain was going but not getting close enough to anyone and then he looked behind him where he should be backed up by uh, I think it was Barkley on his left and Canty on his right but neither was doing it at the right time and then Hazard was on the left and Pedro wide right and they weren't doing it when they were on the other side and it all just fell apart it was actually really fun to watch
0: <laughs> it was fun for me to watch because I was like, ha, ha sorry, ball." Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know me; I've never been into philosophers in football. But if it's you, it's are- not his
1: fault, though, is it? He, I don't think Ooh. he's the word "sorry, ball" have ever crossed his lips.
0: Yeah, I mean, listen, it's really difficult for him because he's he's got a tough tough ask. Like, I don't understand Chelsea's direction. You know, you went with a pragmatic coach who actually won you a trophy in Antonio Conte. He then came out and said, I want these players. You got none of them. You just started selling the ones he did like, like Matic. And then you decided that his football's not pretty enough. So by all means, get rid of him. He's also a whining guy, so I get it, you know. You bring in Matic to a because you want something that's easy on the eye. But you have to also understand that this is going to take ages, you know, it is really about chemistry. The guy doesn't rotate his squad and he didn't even rotate it in Napoli because he was scared that they wouldn't understand the football because it's that complicated. And if we look at the way that Pep Guardiola played in his first season um, in Manchester City, there were times when we turned around and said, you c- you have to be flexible. You can't play this way in the Premier League. This is the Premier League. And look what we have now. But I do think that it, it, there was just no direction. It's exactly what JJ was saying in the terms of like pressing your opponent Um, they didn't even know how to press their opponent in order to get them somewhere or to try to um, get to an end product. It was complete disarray. Um, And and obviously, I'm always going to be the person who turns around and thinks that you should be flexible and you should try to train your team. But I just felt on this occasion, it's like respect the opponent, respect that it's Pep Guardiola and, and the fact that it's been many seasons now with City. They do have a formidable side. It's the side that's got an investment of over half a billion. So... We can't expect too much, I guess, because this is an away game. I just didn't expect such a morning.
1: It is Chelsea, though, isn't it? And losing in that manner, losing so heavily, it's the sort of, you know, biggest Premier League defeat ever, I think I'm right in saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't come back from that, do you, Sam? It's when, not if, Sarri goes now, surely. I mean, obviously, he will leave at some point in his life, but it's like <laughs> it's probably going to happen uh, sooner rather than later, right?
3: Well, the issue they've got is that they wanted to change the style of the play at the club. That's what they wanted to do. That's why Sarri came in, to bring in a new more attractive passing way of playing. You can't do that and then abandon it after six months Mm -hmm. because you know it's going to take time, particularly with that group of players. He's not really had the players he wants to do it or the, the changes he wants to make in the playing squad to do that. And he needs time to do it. The concern, obviously, is that they seem to be getting worse. They're now further away from the Sarri ball ideal than they were in the first few weeks of the season. And that's particularly worrying. And we talk about flexibility and obviously Pep being very devoted to his way of playing, but he's been flexible at times in his career too. I mean, he's he he's way more flexible than Sarri is. I mean, I remember I remember when he was at Dortmund and he played. He was at Bayern Munich and he played Dortmund and he played Javi Martinez up front to play long ball to beat Klopp. And look at the way they played at Anfield this season, City. I mean, Pep changes his game plan based on who they play. Sarri is playing the same way every single time, and it must be so easy to prepare to play against and the players as well. I mean, on that training ground this week. They would have been preparing this game. And I can guarantee you some of those players would be thinking, we're playing that list against City. We're going to be in big trouble. Because they know that City are better than, better than them at this style of play.
2: Even Liverpool <laughs> dropped off when they were playing them and they were at home. So Liverpool didn't press as high as they normally do. Because you yeah. either... You can press high if you put um if the rest of the team further back but you leave more space in midfield so you can if you sort of abandon trying to win the midfield battle you can you can do it and a lot of teams do that against city in like a five two three like five four one five two three shape because there's three forward players that go up high, but the rest of them stay back so that if they do get past that three press there's players to you know block the way it go, but they were doing it in a in that four-three-three. three three it's always the same shape with Sarri. he's never never ever changes it mm-hmm. and uh as soon as they went past them, there was basically five players taking out the game of one pass. Mm. And so the whole team is exposed to...
0: This uh, is a I, great I, point that you make because off the ball, I think Chelsea are <clears throat> quite an, an awful side. I think on the ball, what he's trying to do is teach them, obviously, Sadie ball. and But... What was so great about Pep Guardiola was when he was, you know, coming, when rising to fame and he had that great Barcelona, he had Tito Villanova with him and they were a great duo because one would work, you know, with on the ball movements in Pep and Tito taught them what to do off the ball and their defensive shape and their pressing shape and what they needed to do in order to win back possession and do what it is that Pep wanted them to do. And I just look at what uh, what Sadie has. I don't think Zola is exactly the kind of guy that I would want to be the, his number two if I could choose, if I'm very honest. I think of the ball movements, it takes him ages. It took him ages in Napoli to create a defensive unit that was able to handle the the transitions in the in the football that he likes to play. And I think that he needs help from his team in order how to figure out because right now they just look like they're constantly exposed at the back. They
1: play City again, of course, very soon in the League Cup final uh, weekend <laughs> after next. How are they going to set up for that? Will he change it then? Do we think?
3: But if he changes it, then he's basically. I don't in. think he will. I don't
1: think he will because he's he so wedded to no. it. <laughs> same he, outcome, do we think?
3: Quite possibly, yeah. The same out- I mean, obviously, City were clinical yesterday, and you know, I think, I think the six nil wasn't actually that much of a reflection of the chances they created, for example. But
1: yeah, someone said on Twitter, Chelsea actually started playing quite well once they went four 0 down. Much like <laughs> Queens Park yeah. Rangers did. Uh, at the <laughs>
3: but but the, the principle is the same that. He will play the same way because that's how he wants to play and that's, how, that's the sword he is willing to die on and he's made that very clear. But you look at it and think if he, if he tried to change it then surely the respect from the players for him would go out the window because that's him then saying you know what I was wrong. Everything I've said to you for the last six months is wrong. So you can see the pickle they're in where he can't necessarily change but they can't win in the way they're doing. They can't Achieve what they need to achieve the way they're doing it right now.
1: What about Manchester City? They had a little bit of a blip. Are they now peaking again at exactly the right time?
2: I think they just needed that little bit of a reset to, to uh, remember because it seemed they were coasting through games and then lesser teams were getting results against them. So you,
1: you think Chelsea have done this? You think Chelsea have helped them by the way they started that game and that and this is going to be the the thing that's I think they've been. This result.
2: Oh, I, I saw them playing against Arsenal last week and I thought they were uh, they were excellent there as well they just they like it when teams go at them because then they can really play to their best it's almost like they feel guilty of um, killing teams too easily And at other times I mean when they play a team who's not quite as good the other teams it's really deep so it's harder for them to score anyway but when they open up and go for them it's like the best thing ever because then they're the best that there is of going through these teams like that I think the Newcastle game
3: sorry mate yeah. I think the Newcastle game was a wake up call in that they look so um, stodgy and slow in that one like yeah we'll just yeah, for sure. Rubbish. We'll just cruise to victory here, and then they obviously lost and got stung. I think that must have been a been a sort of reminder that they really can't afford to be anything but.
2: And that was like 100%. seven points behind, right? So then they're going, yeah. Oh, we've really thrown this away and that's the oh I can't believe we've lost this. I can't believe we've thrown this away. It's like when you think you've lost something and you find it again, like, yes, yeah, now I'll keep this forever, I'll always put it back in the same place every time.
0: I do think that when you're a big team and it is very easy for you to sometimes resolve a match just from the you know from the brilliance of one man sometimes. You only need like Aguero and, and perhaps one other midfielder to be on point and that's it. You've really got the goals. And I think that motivation becomes hard against certain teams because you look at Newcastle and you think it's Newcastle's fine, we'll beat them, you know. Credit to
1: Pep there, right, for coming for keeping the players going because it, it can't be hard to keep a really expensively assembled team happy.
0: You're right about that. And also I think that they they are also lucky in the sense that they did face two big teams after that and thought, yeah, okay, well, this is the time for us to sort of flex our muscles. And Liverpool sort of there's a the chance that they were going to open a seven-point gap that terrified them much like JJ said and they just thought to themselves we need to come back I think all big teams have had motivational issues this season to be honest from Real Madrid to Juventus to Bayern it makes sense when you think it's easy to resolve a game that you take your foot off the gas we
1: just a bit bored of football possibly what did we make of Mike Dean hiding the ball from Aguero finally at the end
3: I saw someone tweet which is very accurate that it-
1: it's, it now seems that Mike
3: Dean is in on the joke. <laughs> 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 he's become self-aware. Yeah, he has become very much self-aware. Um, he's now playing up to it. I quite like it. The more characters we can have, the better. And Dino is very much one of the better characters. I his agree. A, his
2: awarding of the penalties my, my favourite things in that whole game. Absolutely showtime. He points, like, <laughs> yeah. He's leaning down, kneeling down, like, yeah!
1: Legs straddling the line. Brilliant. Uh, a man you're now proud to share a surname with, mm. Sam. <laughs> Let's talk about Cardiff City, please. It did not look promising for them at the start of the season. Now, despite seriously adverse things happening off the pitch, it's looking a lot better. How has Neil Warnock changed his approach as the season has gone on, do we think? Because they do seem to have, unlike Chelsea, they've got better.
3: Um, I made the point last week that I think Umar Nias has changed their approach a little bit in that he's provided a slightly different option, a bit more speed in behind, and they can they can get back to front a bit quicker. But um, I think I mean I don't think Cardiff are going they're not going to change their principles. They're not not like Sarri, but <laughs> they're also you know they have an identity and a way of playing, and that's what's got them here.
1: What well, what is that? Uh, what's up the and, identity? Up, you know
3: they are compact they are solid they are good in the air they make life difficult for teams they are a nuisance to play against and just generally you know in your face uh, which is the Cardiff identity and that is what got them here and that is what as as it stands is going to keep them up I mean they are they are pretty unique in that sense now as a Premier League team a few years back there were quite a few teams played that sort of style but really in terms of long ball football Cardiff are the are the last bastions of that. And I think that makes them quite a unique opposition to play against and it makes them a more difficult prospect for for a lot of teams. I mean, I saw Arsenal play Cardiff a few weeks ago and Arsenal really struggled with a lot of it. The way Cardiff were playing, it sort of broke the game up, made it very disjointed and Cardiff really didn't deal with it. um, Arsenal didn't deal with it very well at all and that just showed Cardiff's
1: sort of strengths. Has your opinion changed of Neil Warnock this season, Mina?
0: Um... Well, yeah, because in the beginning, I just felt like he was like, yeah, I'm happy, to fine, you know, we're going to just do our football. If we get relegated, we get relegated. And in my head, I'm like, oh my God, how is this guy coach, you know? Um, but I, I get that, actually, now. In in With hindsight, you're like, okay, it makes sense to me. I was worried now that they do look like they could stay up, that he might falter, because then it was this all, all this pressure on Cardiff. But what's interesting is that we had a team in Italy um, who lost their captain in Davide's story and... Uh, when he passed away the team felt this great responsibility to play for him to be courageous to sort of make the most of their chances and make the most of the team and actually they came together and started having the most phenomenal season because they felt almost like they were responsible like they had to do something really special
1: which team was it remind me Fiorentina right Florence and Cardiff such (laughs) such (laughs) similar
0: places (laughs) And I do think that, unfortunately, now they've come together in this tragedy um, that is Emiliano Sala. And I do think that you look at the way that they are, they are a little bit more united, a little bit more courageous when they are actually going forward and packing the box. And when they're at the back and packing the box, they're really working together. You feel like, you know, Warnock's emotional at the moment and he's rallying the troops. And it's almost like in his honour, we're going to try to do the best that we can. It's
1: another really good motivational job, isn't it? Because it would be easy for the team
2: to completely implode. Absolutely.
0: It would
1: be Completely
2: understandable. Structurally, like he's doing nothing different from the start of the season. It's exactly the same. It's a uh, very rigid structure. Everything Sam was saying. But, um, he having Yas now means you can play two up top as well. They played the a back three because Southampton always play a three, so a three at the back and try and have two strikers. So the three made sense here. Um, but it's like important to remember at this game here. Again, Southampton should should have won this like, on next G one point five to zero point five. So they had the better chances. They just didn't take them. And I was going through the XG and, um, and expected goals against as well on my scout for Cardiff. And goals against, they are fourth bottom. Uh, as in, they should have conceded the fourth most number of goals. And goals four, they are third. So over the course of a season, like this is the exact kind of team that can go in a cup run because they'll get the most of a team by winning the turnovers, winning the second balls and getting that kind of luck. But over a league season, I still don't know whether they're going to be able to have enough, even with this uh, momentum off the back of the tragedy that's happened, that it's yeah, the guy should be remembered for more than just inciting a run to the to survive relegation. You know, the guys died, but um, I don't know over a whole league campaign whether Cardiff are going to be able to get out of it. Yeah, what I think they're going to go down still.
0: You do. What, what, what do you think about Southampton? it's just the same sort of set-piece problems
2: oh I think they're, they're way better um, I actually had I was looking at this the other day but Hassan Um so since he came in to Southampton like their goals per game have gone up their their tackles have gone up interceptions have gone up recoveries have gone up um, they make fewer passes because they're more direct they're, they're quicker in transition so they're better at hitting sitting deep and going for it but Hassan Huttle was disappointed that
0: that's what they're famous for when he was at Leipzig
2: yeah really quick like and they like a high press as well and it's all high energy but then you you sit deep and in, 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 uh, try and contain when you're not out of possession but he was uh, lamented that they didn't see it the game through in the end because so they got that equaliser late on and then conceded but Cardiff threw loads of players forward at the end because it's like they don't care so there's no reason to That's pull what players I mean back. by
0: being courageous Yeah, it's and great
2: that's the one thing that the spirit that they've got there so Cardiff had so many players forward at the end of that game and you shouldn't normally throw that many players forward but they just did and they managed to get the result out of it which was nice
1: still not convinced though JJ are you let's <laughs> rattle through the rest of the premier league now liverpool swiped bournemouth aside at anfield do we think the loss of their cushion at the top of the league mean it could be a good thing for them motivationally does that keep them honest and keep them at the very peak of their powers
0: I really don't know because I didn't think that they particularly started this match in in great fashion. I think that it took them the first 20 minutes all looked like a little bit boring, a little bit tough for them. And then they managed to get that first goal offside or not. But once they did, it was almost like they remembered how to have fun again. I I do think Liverpool at their best when they're having fun and that means those front three guys are playing together and it's more of a game rather than all this pressure to win something to be something to to rip the opponent apart they are actually at their best when they're just really just playing ball between them and it looked like that after they got the first goal it was like a lot of pressure off their shoulders because you saw in the beginning Salah was missing his chances and it was all a little bit like stop start and then they just came to life um I don't know about them. I, I do wonder whether pressure will get to them. And, and having a city that can score six goals against Chelsea, I don't know how much that's going to rattle them going forward.
3: I think understandably, there's so much talk about that front three and you know being so devastating and scoring all the goals pretty much. But I think it seems increasingly clear that it's the midfield that's going to determine Liverpool's season. I was there at West Ham last week, and injuries and various problems meant that they had uh, they had Lallana, Fabinho, and Keita in the midfield. And it really didn't work. It didn't click. Cater had a terrible first half and Fabinho was pretty much anonymous throughout. And Declan Rice ran the show, which is, he's a good player, Declan Rice, but that shouldn't be happening for Liverpool. And then this weekend, it seemed like Fabinho was brilliant and Cater was at his absolute best as well. And that seemed to change the game in their favour. So for all the talk about Salah, Firmino and Mane being sort of the sharp end of the stick, I think um, those three in midfield, if, or whoever's playing in midfield, if they win that midfield battle, that's going to be the, the most important thing rather than the strikers.
2: Also, throw-ins could play an important part. Speaking of marginal games in the Premier League, so see that? I think it was mm-hmm. their third goal was from a throw-in. So it's it was like lot-
0: hiring the man. Yeah, a little- <laughs> so they
2: obviously hired a throw-in coach and were mm-hmm. uh, mocked throughout the world for this uh, a few weeks ago. But they... They took the throw-in from the right-hand side and the players were in position. So as soon as the throw-in went in, uh, Manny took it, played it forward to Keita, who knew to hit it first time to Firmino on the run and Firmino tucked it back to Salah at the score.
3: <laughs> Hang on, so we've got an outside-the-boot worldy pass from Keita, like
2: 40 yards. A, it's back,
3: a back heel from Firmino and you're saying the throw-in <laughs> make the
2: goal. <laughs> no, not at all. And you don't like Cardiff. <laughs> how the team sets up. So you can say, like, when this goes here, you have to make this run here because that's going to make this guy be able to run here. So you can set it up so you've got... I'm, I'm using my hands to show Sam what I'm doing so you can't hear that But um, We'll do a video along with the yeah, podcast Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> We need a tank export now There are
2: lots of brilliant things about that goal but I wouldn't say the throw-in as well It starts my throw that's the it whole point But point. I think
0: it's a great point about midfield because I think Fabinho is on another level at the moment the way that he's playing winning back possession those beautiful passes when you can get your midfield to move like that and provide all of the security for the defence and all the the passes going forward then Liverpool can make a difference
1: JJ Paul no Rashford, no problem for Manchester United. Lovely work at Fulham from Pogba and Martial. What I would like you to tell me is if United do keep with Solskjaer and make a couple of signings over the summer,
2: how do you think they'd get on next year? They'd definitely be top four. I don't know if they'd have it in them straight away to, to win the title, especially because Liverpool and City are so good. But uh, they're really fun to watch. They're fun to watch. They have gr- very, very good players everywhere. Um, maybe they need uh, that thing that Mourinho was moaning about a centre-back might still be valid I think some, if they bought someone like Wilford and Didi to put in the midfield he'd be a step up on a Herrera maybe it's interesting because I think they need to transition more um, off the pitch with the director of football make sure they get the right kind of players in and they make sure they're bringing in youth but they could quite easily be top three I mean they could do it this year even I think man for man even if,
3: even if they sign nobody this team should be competing for the title, and that was applied for this season as well as last season when they obviously came second, but weren't even close to City. I mean, I think that squad, I think probably man for man, is stronger than Liverpool's squad,
2: mm.
3: and it's not that far off City's, to be honest, in terms of attacking options. I think if you, I know this is the sort of the age-old question, which isn't really the, the point, but if Pep Guardiola had that United team, I think they'd be winning the league.
0: I don't know about that defense, though. If yeah. I'm honest, yeah, <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I think
3: a, a new centre back would be would be helpful. But Liverpool have played a lot this season with Matip and Lovren. And I don't think they're particularly yeah. better than any of the... But it's a style options.
2: of play put in as well because Solskjaer's got them... The defensive line's quite high and they go for teams but they also are very happy to see possession and hit on the counter and they did it against Fulham. They, were just let, they let Fulham have the ball and then they knew they'd, they'd lose it and then they snapped at them and scored goals on the counter. Martial's goal was unbelievable that run all the way through. Well... The defending was terrible. <laughs> Fulham are yeah, dreadful. I, I, well, yeah. what, what I mean.
1: About, what <laughs> about Fulham, Sam? Uh, how do they begin to rebuild? It's, it's looking pretty gloomy for them now. How would you go at next year if you were uh, Shad Khan?
3: They've got a problem because they spent a lot of money on a lot of players. And I don't know this. My guess would be that a lot of them haven't got relegation clauses in their contracts because Fulham were pretty c- convinced they were spending in order to aim for mid-table or higher. So that's going to be a problem. Um A lot of those players will not fancy the championship. I don't think Jean-Michel Serri is going to be playing championships football next season. But at the same time, they're not going to get back £25 for him, which is what they paid. So they're going to be in a a pickle all around, really, because they basically gambled on doing the business this season and then, uh, in my view, Sakti Kanovic too early. I I think think so? Yeah, to be fair, I think at the time he was gone, I was pretty convinced his time was up. But in hindsight, I think hiring Ranieri was a big error because that squad just simply isn't suited to what Ranieri wants to do. Totally can, agree. And I wrote a piece last week about, and a lot of Fulham fans weirdly I got good feedback on an actual piece wow. by the public, which is <laughs> which is almost unheard of in this industry I think, well for me at least, which <laughs> maybe it says more about me than the industry. Um, he's ostracised Kearney who was their key player last season in the midfield their captain, mm-hmm. ostracised Sessegnon who was their top scorer last season and is like the boy wonder and like, that, that is sort of a, a quick fire way to annoy the fans and the way he's the way they're playing football is just so different to what they did last season when they came up and it seems like Tom Kenny made this point after the Brighton game I think the fact that he said it is quite telling he said we're not good we're not big enough or strong enough to outfight teams to out battle against teams and that's what Ranieri wants he keeps calling for soldiers but Kenny says we're better when we play football and we pass the ball around. But well, that's what Ranieri's is trying to avoid them doing, and it just seems like you've got a complete split here, and it's like an identity crisis. Which
2: you can see it on the pitch, I think you can see they're, stuck, they're torn between doing what he wants them to do and what they're used to. They were spending when they were should have been hitting it forward first time in defence when Manu had the ball. They were keeping it short and allowing them to sit back and counter them. Like I said, like Manu were just sitting off them and letting them keep the ball. Um, I was thinking about this what they could what they could have done in January is whether they should have bought different defenders to replace the likes of Brian or Doy, who is so out of his depth. It's a shame. Um, but why would they want to commit the more money to buying a defender? Because who would you even get in that would be good enough and ready enough to instantly form a, a new back four? And would the money you spend to get them possibly keep them up? It wouldn't be worth it, would it? They a fundamental they issue as well, the they oh, lost
3: yeah. Fredericks, who was their right-back last season, very important. And Matt Target, who came on loan from Southampton for the second half of the season, was also very important. So that was right-back and left-back. And we all know these days how important it is to have good full-backs who know what they're doing. So that was a big problem. And obviously, Kanovic had to deal with a massive turnover of players. So there was that sort of fundamental issue of turnover that some players, they had to buy because they had to replace ones who'd gone. Um but then again you do think they look you look back and they just spent too much on too many players. It changed too much.
0: I just want to go back to this point when you said that we're not big enough to and strong enough to be warriors. But then you think so what, that Cardiff's better at this, Newcastle's better at this? Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, they're bigger lads. Like, it's like it's all, so you're yeah. talking
0: about physicality and actual yeah, power, that they're not that, big yeah. enough and like, that they can only play football.
2: I can't win headers when I play Sunday League against lads who are six foot five and really strong. Yeah, exactly. like, but do you m- want it enough? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah.
3: I just can't jump that high. But if you look at every promoted team that's done well in the last few years, and that's you know, Burnley, Brighton, Bournemouth if this season-ish even though they might still go down they've all had an identity and a way of playing and this is what we're going to do we might lose some games we might get battered by the big team this is what we're going to do and we hope it's going to work out Fulham had that when they came up that's how they came up they had that they were by far the most sort of attractive ball playing team in the championship and then within about what 10 games 11 games they just chucked out the window and yeah. said right that gets in the Thames. we're going to start something new now and it's just too late it's too late and it's it doesn't
1: fit the team switching identity midway through a season probably not the best idea Tottenham Hotspur saw sort off Leicester fairly comfortably, 3-1 on Sunday. If I was a footballer, Mina, I'd vote for Song Hyung-min as my PFA Player of the Year. Who would you have? Make a case for someone other than Sonny.
0: Yeah, it's really quite actually, to be honest. But you love Song, by do, the way. I do, you every yeah. single He's my podcast guy. You're He's, doing. My guy.
1: <laughs> He's a delight. Um,
0: I don't know. I think Martial's having a great season, too. Okay. Um, well,
1: that's sort of similarly left field.
0: Tottenham... Uh, <sighs> It's really strange because I feel like where they are right now is exactly what suits them. You know, there's no pressure for them to be first or second because it's Liverpool and Man City ahead of them. But at the same point, they don't want to be fourth because then it's also pressure as to whether or not they can hold on to that place and what that means for them. So I think right now they've hit their sweet spot. They know that they're good enough. There's no pressure for them so they can win these matches that none of us expected um, that they could win comprehensively. I thought Leicester's good. They make bizarre decisions left, right and centre, such as decisions not to play Vardy. Um, the fact that, that Spurs are winning matches, despite not playing beautifully, despite not having Harry Kane, despite not having Dele Alli, tells you all you really need to know about the team. On a, on a mental level, they're firing from all cylinders at this point. It doesn't look like they're a side that are Spurs-y and by any stretch of the imagination. But I do wonder if they get that bit closer and somehow make second because one of those two teams drops out, what happens to their mentality then?
1: What about Brighton, JJ? They uh, look in danger of getting sucked into the relegation battle. Only one win in 11 for them now. Lost at home to Burnley on Saturday.
2: What's gone wrong for them? Um, I think they just had done so well and they managed to get those points on the board early on that they're just middling out to where they roughly are. So I, I think they're probably a team good enough to finish between 17th and 14th. That's probably their level. And I think that's just what's happening over the course of the season. They'll still get some good results um, but they rely very heavily on like Glenn Murray to score. Uh, Philip Billing, he plays for Brighton, right? right you, Hardest Hardest Field. no, so I'm getting confused with the players now. Um, getting your blue and white stripes, I am. possibly relegated teams confused. They're quite, um, That's like exactly what I've done, yeah.
3: They're, they're quite streaky, Brighton. They're sort of, their wins tend to come in bursts. So I wouldn't be surprised if they do sort of put together a little run, especially as their next fixtures in the league are opens notes Leicester Huddersfield <laughs> Palace Cardiff Southampton so I wouldn't be surprised at all if they put a few wins together then but they're very reliant on Murray as you say and they're also reliant on Duffy and Dunk being solid at the back and I that mean, defensive yeah.
2: I really sprinting. rate as manager I think if anyone can get them out of it he's perfect for them just there yeah but sometimes it. it's
0: two vertical passes and Burnley were through so it's and like, a handball as well, uh, in the lead up to okay, the third
1: goal. An amusing <laughs> handball. It was sort of unbelievable that that wasn't seen.
2: I like that, that he turns sort of like a robot like on, <laughs> on the spot, and then points yeah. it in his direction. You
1: talk about natural movement of the hands and that was very much not <laughs> a natural movement.
2: Oh, on Burnley... Um,
0: Heaton, wow.
3: There are seven games unbeaten in the league now and that was when Tom Heaton came in seven games ago. But also Dwight McNeil, who is 19 years old, Playing on the left wing, and it's really made a big difference. And it's looking like a top, top player, I think. At it's a young really age. good, yeah. yeah.
1: You were in Huddersfield over the weekend, Sam, uh, a beautiful town to see them play Arsenal. How was your Huddersfield experience? It's very
3: far away, Huddersfield. It's not, it's not too bad. <laughs> I, I'm aware they sound like a, a South London lovey which I absolutely am, um, but it is very far away. It's a nice ground, though. I really like it. And it's, I think, the only ground I've been to where you've got like an actual forest and trees in the backdrop, which is really nice. Um, the game was a bit odd. Arsenal weren't very good, um, but they had enough attacking quality.
1: What's the mood like in Huddersfield? How are their fans shaping up? Is, is there a resignation?
3: Uh, yeah, it was very jovial actually. Um, uh, Arsenal fans were singing about how bad Huddersfield must be because they're winning away, and Huddersfield fans retorted by saying how bad must you be? It's only one nil, which I think um, was quite telling of Huddersfield's sort of defeatism. And I think last week they were joking about winning six five against Chelsea and that sort of thing. Like you know that everyone though everyone knew last season that. Huddersfield man for man were probably the worst team to come up in Premier League history and they were probably the worst team to stay up in Premier League history too so to stay up for last season under Wagner was a real achievement and a real bonus I think so this year I think they're just trying to enjoy it a bit and they're already preparing for the championship and everyone knows they're going to be gone but they did that said they did they did rattle Arsenal at times um could even have nicked a jaw on another day, but um yeah, they're never gonna have enough attacking quality to make any difference.
0: They're the only side I watch, honestly, that made me so angry. I don't know how to explain. It's like Oh, you've
1: changed because you, you were really bang up for Huddersfield not that long ago. Okay.
0: I like them. And right. I, I don't think they're that bad, and I think they're coachable. I just wanted to show them a video and to be like, Are you being serious here? Like you, you didn't notice, you know, <laughs> like I just there is so much that they do when they're sitting there taking on plays. Like, who do you think you are? You're not Pele, just a quick release forward. There's two guys that can run into the box and score the goal. Why are you trying to take on players? Like, you have to respect your position. It's minor coaching sometimes that I just think, obviously that's not what it is because we've, they've had two different coaches. They're not doing any better. It's also, they're defending at times. You see, I will be running through in, into clear space with all the time in the world and you didn't notice this guy, not even through you know your peripheral vision. Like, what is that? It, there is so much about them that's so exciting when they go forward and you think, yep, yeah, great chance, great chance and then the guy takes about 45 touches He's looking to take on all the all the defense in the world, and I'm like, oh my god! You have two options in front of you: release, go. Like it's things like that that made me really angry because I just think it's minor things you need to change, and Huddersfield could really be entertaining.
1: Well done, meaning you've successfully sorry. applied for the position of Huddersfield manager this summer.
0: I mean their execution, it's like it's either too wide or too long. And I'm just like Of all
3: sorry. the teams, they're savage. It seems like I don't know. Like,
0: I just think they're already that they're dead. actually already dead, yeah, exactly. You look at certain teams and you just think, I don't know what you could do on this occasion. You know, but Huddersfield, they have this courage and that you know, you you just think just just be a little bit more careful with how wide you're gonna pass that ball. You know, just think a little bit quicker or or, or notice when a player is running into this- empty space
1: you're know,
0: like a nothing. fan, Nina. Could yeah. they be your English team? I think so. I this actually exciting. like them, although they make me so angry. I just can't possibly want. I'm going to get you an
1: Andy Booth shirt <laughs> as a present. Let's move on to the Champions League, which re-begins this week with lots of lovely football. How do we think the English clubs are going to fare in this competition, JJ? Do you think any of them are going out at this stage?
2: I don't think so. I think Spurs might go out tough game for them home yeah tournament. just because that seems like a thing that would happen I feel like Man United should beat PSG now mm. Um, they're missing Neymar and Mr Cavani because oh. he got injured in the weekend I think um, he did he, well, that's good I'm glad I know that and uh, Liverpool Bayern well Liverpool at Anfield as we all know the famous Anfield atmosphere will get them through that you'd have thought and Bayern aren't doing very well this season either Nina knows far more about that and City should come through against Schalke but I mean, all these teams in Germany are very good at counter-attacks and so if City try and keep the ball uh, and just lose it in the wrong place at the wrong time is exactly how they get undone. There's got to be an argument
1: mm. for Liverpool not trying that hard in this competition this year.
0: Are you saying that they shouldn't?
1: I, if I was Klopp, I'd put out a week No two. way. I honestly would. I, I, think, I think the thing that hangs over that club and that City is not having won the league and I think this is the best chance they're going to have for a very long time to win the league But isn't that season.
0: adding to the pressure?
1: Yes, probably.
0: If they're out of that competition, I, it's like I, you'd better win that league then.
1: I, yeah, but I think I think if they didn't have the distraction of the Champions League, and I know it's like you know it's not that many more games, is it? It's how many games they would how many games would it be to get to the final from here? Six more games, but uh, the risk of injury, the emotion of being involved in that Champions League, just prioritise the league. There's no shame in it.
3: Why is this the best chance for a long time to win the league? Why not next season? It's a fair
1: question.
0: Because next season, maybe Sally's gone and there's a new guy at Chelsea.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Mourinho left in the league with
0: Chelsea. <laughs> I,
2: I,
1: I, I don't think I've got any sort of factual answer to that. It's uh, it's an emotional response mm. to the fact that they are uh, like this. Uh, apart from the Brendan Rodgers season, this is the first time for such a long time where they felt like they're going to win it. Like they're the front runners. I think Man United are batting so far below their average at the moment of where they should be. And with the right manager, that changes very quickly. City aren't going anywhere, even if Pep does go. You would expect one of Chelsea and Arsenal to get it together at some point. Spurs are sort of sticking around as well. It, it feels like such a good chance this year. Perhaps that's the right way to say it. It's a fantastic mm-hmm. chance for them to win the league
2: this year. It I could, feel like It could, it could be missing as well. You lose your momentum if you do that. So you can. If you 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 wouldn't give up on it, but if you say you play uh, reserve players or youth players, and oh, you don't make it that
1: obvious. You just pick a few of the, you just throw a few of them in.
2: There's no way they'd want. There's no way they would throw it because I think Liverpool's a club that is most famous for its European successes. That's only because you can't remember them winning the league, which happened quite <laughs> a lot in the eighties. Yeah, but then they still. I mean, they they seem so proud of the European Cups, and that's the way they are so famous around the world because of winning so many. And I think. Especially if you're going for the league, you just want to be winning on everything because then it makes you more confident because you know you're good enough at this level, so you can do it here. And it, I think they should be able to rotate occasional positions. It's just being careful with who you play when, but they can definitely do it, do it all. I mean, Man United have done it before. One of both.
1: What about Italy's answer to Huddersfield? Mina, uh, Juventus. They play Atletico Madrid. <laughs> How big a test is that going to be for your beloved Juve?
0: Uh, it's going to be a huge test, um, just because I think both teams are at the moment not really the defensive stalwarts they used to be. I think there's huge problems for both sides. They're being... not Juventus haven't actually been beaten in the league, but they are being shaken by teams that aren't particularly great. Um, Parma being one of them, when Giovinio scores two goals against you, you're just a bit like, oh, come on, guys, get your act together, you know? Juventus have a problem because at the back, Giorgio Chiellini and Leonardo Bonucci, who, of course, formed two of the BBC back line, um, haven't been available. They are hoping to be back in time for that huge match against Atletico. Atletico have their own problems in the sense that um, really... Godin has just been a shadow of himself at the back, and they are also conceding ridiculous goals that they never used to. They're conceding against Girona. Um, They played, obviously, in the the Champions League and conceded four against Borussia Dortmund. So then perhaps not as strong as they once were. Still a tough match, I would expect. The Italians having Ronaldo up front would make the difference.
1: Let's stay in Madrid and transition seamlessly into a song for Europe. Gareth Bale scored his 100th goal for Real Madrid in all competitions at the weekend. Is it fair to say there's still not an enormous amount of love for him?
0: No, uh, I don't Bernabeu. feel it either. <laughs> Listen, Gareth Bale, it's really annoying when he came in in the Champions League final, scored that magnificent goal, and everyone's like, wow, Gareth. And then you came out and said, yeah, well, and, made, and just whined and said, you know, like there's no place for me, you know. I get that when <laughs> Sam's laughing again at me. I get that when Ronaldo is whinging and moaning, but the guy turns it into a thousand number of goals, and he's single handedly pushed his team over the line in certain Champions League matches. Gareth Bale's going from injury to injury. Finally, he stays the season and it's supposed to be his season where he's going to be the leader that takes over Ronaldo. But once again, we have injury problems. And then when he is playing, he misses an open goal against Barcelona. And you're thinking, if you're not going to take the mantelpiece and score the goals that make the huge difference and make you the leader, let's be honest. why, Why are you complaining? Against, okay, he scored the goal against Atletico Madrid, missed the open one against Barcelona. People prefer to see Vinicius Jr. because it seems like they have this great, him and Corinne Benzema, this great chemistry. And they're actually playing for the team, and they're happy. And Gareth, you know, he finishes the game, he walks straight into the dressing room, doesn't try to partake in anything, doesn't try to do interviews in Spanish. It just seems like he's annoyed, and and he wants to be Ronaldo just without the goal scorers.
1: Yeah, it seems like he's not even Steve McManaman in the public's affections there. Bruce Dortmund (laughs) threw away a three-goal lead to draw 3 or with Hoffenheim at the weekend. Are they looking nervy at the top of the Bundesliga?
0: That was really bizarre, to be honest. Um, Hoffenheim are an exciting team in the sense they are being led by Julian Nagelsmann. J.J. Bill would absolutely love him because he's a mini Pep Guardiola. He's
2: younger than me. It's annoying. Yeah, that is
0: annoying. <laughs> um, um, Schalke's one is, is quite young too. Um, but... This is a, a flu-ravaged Borussia Dortmund. You know they didn't have Lucien Favre and on um, on the, the touchline either. It was a moment of madness, and they are very embarrassed by it. But the, Hoffenheim are just this really dramatic side that can concede ten goals and score fourteen. And you you sort of never know what you're up against. And we saw that when they played Manchester City because they were p- pretty poor in the league and still managed to to get a goal against City. They're an exciting side. They've really built themselves up now, and I think they're around eighth now in the league. It shouldn't have happened from Dortmund. I wouldn't imagine it would happen again, but, you know, each team has their moments of madness.
1: First the horses, now Borussia Dortmund. Flu, ruining sport for everyone. A lot of players have got the flu this weekend.
3: Really? Aubameyang was ill. Ozil was ill. Wijnaldum was ill. Do you think the two are linked? Well, I think there seems uh, footballers must operate in similar circles.
1: They've all been at sort of Lingfield and Newbury, must and must have been at some, 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 some boot. dose of the yeah. horse flu
3: or some sort of boot launch event, and they all got the same oh. the same flu there. But it does seem like there's a one going through football right now. Interesting Keep
0: them away from the old lady. <laughs> mm,
1: sorry. you're talking about UEFA. Yeah,
0: of course. <laughs> you're listening to the Telegraph Audio Football
3: Club, part of the Telegraph Podcasting Network to find more of our podcasts
1: just go to telegraph.co.uk forward slash podcasts JJ Ball I can see you've got your dossier with you for the first time in a few weeks can you tell me what
2: is inside that dossier so many forgotten dossiers (laughs) Uh, I was looking at Everton versus Watford this weekend it was interesting because all the Watford fans um, took their snakes they took actual well not real life snakes that (laughs) would have been really fun (laughs) there's a snake on the pitch there's a snake in my boot (laughs) <laughs> uh, but so it's funny that they were they're were so annoyed with Marco Silva for abandoning them back in the back because he came in in January and left um,
0: Best thing that ever was, happened. To sorry,
2: him. he came in January and he left in January. I think to uh, no, he came in the summer. Mm-hmm. He left in the Jan in January to go to Everton, where he thought he'd get more money to spend on players and do more of his thing. But his thing seems to be basically exactly the same as Javier Garcia, uh, Garcia. So. It's those teams, both Watford and Everton, are where they should be. They're just below that top six. The managers haven't done anything in the past to prove that they can take it to the next level. And so it, it's interesting to see that both those managers could be at the other club and they'd probably be exactly the same place that they are now.
0: I, I don't think know. Everton
2: should be ahead of Watford. I in agree terms with of that. I think Everton should club, be Why do you think size that? Size of spending,
3: you know, history of club. They're, Everton are a bigger club than Watford.
0: Mm. Yeah, but it doesn't mean they're... I mean. And they make really stupid mistakes. That's why I think they should be better.
2: But players d- just make those kind of mistakes. I mean, like the, the goal that Everton conceded was the second phase from a corner. Um, I know Silva's team's concede a lot of set pieces. But this was second phase from a corner. And you had John Joe Kenny, who was the right back, was caught in a left back. And he's trying to get back to right backs. So was just coming across and just let the boy come in behind him, uh, Will Hughes, mm. to set up the goal for Andre Gray. And it's sort of a mistake, but he's also doing the right thing, trying to get back to where he's going. And it's not you can't really coach these things. It's individual players to make the decisions on the pitch. And both of these managers need time, but over the time they've had in previous jobs, they've not really done much.
0: Speaking of uh, snakes, in uh, Atletico Madrid, in the derby actually, they threw toy rats at Thibaut Courtois.
2: Where would you get a toy rat?
0: Oh, they must sell them freely in Madrid. <laughs> is the snake thing? <laughs>
2: I'm in the rats division uh, over nine. And...
3: Is the snake thing only a thing in the UK? Do they have? Is, is is snake the same sort of insult in Spain?
1: Do you reckon? As in, like, I
3: guess. It, I guess it all stems from the Bible, doesn't
1: it? Yeah, treachery. Yeah, it's so not. That, have it's we not, ever it's not an Bible? original take, is it? No, the snake is seen as <laughs> no, But if it
3: feels like in recent years, hissing at people and being called, called a snake, it seems a like bit more of a thing in football in England than it has been before. I blame the emoji. well. They did it
0: for Taylor Swift.
3: <laughs> what, what, what was the context for that?
0: I don't know. I think she had a fight with one of the Kardashians and then just know. they used to or, or the other way around actually it could be the other way around and they just would have all these snake emojis on her timeline. Wow. wow. I do not know what Plague. that meant either.
3: Played by snakes on your social media.
1: Let's conclude with the story of a 22-man brawl in the Ebsfleet versus Solihull Moors game at the weekend. Four players sent off after it, but I want to know, Mina, who is the most aggressive footballer you've ever seen? And while you're thinking, I've got three answers from our friends on social media. Mike, in answer, says Vinny Jones, Norman Hunter, Billy Bremner, in fact, just most of the lead side of the 60s and 70s. Barris Koi Bassi says the only player, by his own admission, Peter Crouch has ever been scared of is the manager of my team, former Millwall Wolves Rangers and Palace defender Kevin Muscat. And Concord Sports says all I know is that Charlie Death plays for St. Ives. Mina, what have you got?
0: When I was growing up, Vinny Jones used to terrify me so much. I mean, just if I was paying up against him and he looked at me, I'd probably just give him the ball (laughs) because I'd be like, all right, just take it. It's fine, you know? So looks-wise, him, I used to be scared of Roy Keane. Um, I thought that he looked aggressive, but apparently he's not at all like that. So I don't know. Some people say that he's actually like, you know, when you talk to him, he doesn't come across as that way at all. I mean, you know, Pepe, the guy who used to play for Real Madrid, I've always stood up for him because he's actually a really lovely guy. So is Van Bommel, but they were really scary on the pitch too. If
1: Raikin isn't aggressive, he's doing like this incredible lifelong method acting thing, I think. No, I think uh... he's
0: aggressive in his punditry like I am. You know, we get really angry about certain (laughs) things and maybe we have really high standards, you know. Because you know we played the game at a high level, both of us apparently. No, I'm joking. (laughs) But you know what I mean. Then maybe he's just that kind of guy who obviously played for United and things. You know, I don't know. He's quite critical, but actually in real life and the way he conducts himself is quite soft.
2: JJ aggression. Who have you got? Well, uh, you won't know this player. Is a man called Nigel Pepper. I'm just going to read this little bit from a Wikipedia entry on him. On 26 November 1988, Pepper moved to Aberdeen for a fee of £300,000. Big money back then. He did not enjoy the best of starts being sent off on his debut six minutes after coming on as a substitute. (laughs) Following his return from suspension, again, having come on as a substitute, it took 17 seconds before he was sent off again. (laughs) It was so funny. I was there. They hadn't even finished playing like announcing his name that he was on as a sub <laughs> on as a sub is Nigel Pepper he's gone <laughs> what, did, what did he do? Uh, the second one uh, they they had a throw in I can't remember who he was playing against so they had a throw in I can I can visualise it now had a throw in and he just charged in and went with a two foot slide tackle to the guy receiving well, the it the guy throwing it? no not the guy <laughs> that, receiving that it, is <laughs> it. <laughs> but I wouldn't put that past him Sam who have you got? Uh,
3: just on Wikipedia entries I won't read it out to you because I'm sure we're running out of time if you ever get a chance to read Duncan Ferguson's Wikipedia entries for the burglary attempts at his home and his convictions <laughs> for physical altercation, they are incredible read, just a matter-of-fact way in which... Yeah. Any, any listeners out there, go on to Duncan Ferguson's Wikipedia page and read that. Uh, Tom, in answer to your question, um, I'm probably cheating a bit, but uh, Genero Gattuso, because I've never seen him, never saw him play live, but... I was in Milan last year for when Arsenal played them in the Europa League and he was the first manager who's walked into a press conference and I've been genuinely scared. And I've thought, I'm not going to ask a question because if I ask something that upsets him, he might eat me. So I just didn't. <laughs> that was the first time I thought genuinely fearful of a manager because he's. Just oh my god, insane. he is
0: like honestly the biggest pussy cat you'd ever meet in your life. He is genuinely some guy who once came out, and criticised Makiko, and then apologised for about four days afterwards. You know, he is like the sweetest boy. Sorry, okay, you know he wears it one of those little fluffy hats when you sleep. What do you
1: call them? How do you know that?
0: Well, Pila wrote it in his autobiography. Ah, good, good.
1: Uh, can we just conclude Mina by uh, can you rate Sam's um, pronunciation of Gattuso out of 10, please?
0: Can you say it again?
1: Gennaro Gattuso. Oh, much
2: sure oh,
0: better. <laughs> he once good. headbutted Joe Jordan. He's definitely insane. No, I mean, he's just he just gets really emotional on the pitch, he's competitive. Yes, that's what we like to see. What about Suarez? I mean, the guy goes around biting people. No one mentioned him.
1: Well, you had your chance. You had a chance, yeah.
0: Okay. <laughs> that is true
1: that's all for this week if you want me before next time you can contact me on Twitter as ever it's at Tom with an H Gibbs don't forget you can email us as well the address is afcpodcast at telegraph.co.uk we'll read out the best of what you send us you can subscribe to the podcast it works like any other podcast just search for Telegraph Audio Football Club and take it from there thanks to Joel Grove on the buttons and thanks to you for your company I'll talk to you again soon